The opinions expressed on Tomahawk Talk do not reflect that of WVFS Tallahassee. From the highest point on Florida State's campus and the hottest room in Seminole sports, this is Tomahawk Talk. I'm your host, Brett Rutherford, and we are live on 89.7 FM WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. As we start our show, the Florida State men's basketball team, I think they've already tipped off as they're taking on the UNC Tar Heels right down the street of the TLC Double C. We will do our best uh, as we can to, to keep you updated with all the action throughout the hour. Uh, looking at the crowd right now through the broadcast, I, I am kind of wishing I was there. I, I am still happy to be there, but uh, to be here. <laughs> but I'm not the only one missing the game, as I'm joined by my good friend and co-host, Gary Putnick. Gary, buddy, how are you? I'm doing well. Like like you, I'd probably like, and I'd like to be at this game today, but hey, we're here. We're having a great time. Well, we, we can't quite give play-by-play, but we will give updates. Gary, your laptop is kind of blocking part of the score bug. Yes, sorry. I'll, I'll, well, see, now I'm the only one who can tell you what's happening. Oh, okay, it'll rely <laughs> Now on I control you. the information. Well, joining our panel tonight for the first time in a while is Tyler Phillips. Tyler, how was your Super Bowl Sunday? And how much, and I know it is killing you, how much is it killing you to not be at this game tonight? Uh, it's It really is killing me. I'm a senior. Um, this is my last time, probably... I don't even know to put into words. Probably I don't. I don't know if I'll ever see North Carolina play basketball ever again. Um, so it's kind of sad, but at the same time, I'm really glad to be here because I've got a lot of good uh, analysis on the women's basketball uh, from this past week. Well, well, lucky for you, North Carolina isn't much to look at this season. They've really been struggling. They were missing Cole Anthony for a while. He is back in the game tonight. Uh, but in rounding out our panel tonight is Gabriel Tisnes. How's it going, man? Hey, man. Thanks for having me here. Uh, glad, glad to have you on, and we've, we've got a lot to talk about, obviously, the game going on right now as Florida State is right in the thick of things for the ACC regular season title. Pretty much a three-way race right now between Florida State, Louisville, who is leading, and Duke. But yesterday, Super Bowl Sunday, some would argue is the uh, biggest day on the sports calendar, and the Kansas City Chiefs walked out of Miami with a 31-20 victory over the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, former NFL MVP quarterback, Patrick Mahomes awarded Super Bowl MVP. He threw for 286 yards and two touchdowns, ran one in as well in that game. Gary, you and I talked a little bit before the show. This was one of the more entertaining, at least from our perspective, games and Super Bowls uh, you know, in recent memory. Yeah, I was really happy about the Super Bowl and the way it all kind of played out. Granted, I really didn't have a horse in this race here, but like, it was still a fun time because the Patriots weren't in it. And that was, that was, the, big, that was the big thing for me, coming from a Dolphins fan's perspective. I didn't have to worry about Tom Brady winning or Belichick winning and everyone rubbing it in our faces down in South Florida. But it was just a great time overall, so I was really happy with it. A lot of people talk about the, the San Francisco 49ers and how dominant their defense was as the season went on. I really, really loved uh, Kyle Shanahan's offense. It's very methodical, the way they move the ball downfield, the way they scheme guys open downfield. And for the first half of that game, the first three quarters of that game, we really saw all of that on display. Obviously, things changed in the fourth. We're going to get into that. Tyler, first thoughts on, on that game? My first thought was it, it was a really low-scoring affair there for the first three quarters, which was very surprising to me. I think all of us up here thought it was going to be kind of high-scoring, and I mean, it ended up being that way. But, uh, you know, most people thought there'd be 14, 17 points in the first quarter, kind of come out hot off the gun. Um, but it wasn't the case, so it's kind of shocking. Um, but Kansas City did what they did all season: is come back from a deficit. Um, so that yeah. that was really surprising to me. You no, know, they trailed in all three of their postseason games, and and in all three by double digits at the least. Well, and, and we talked about it last week. I posed the question to someone. I said, 
we've seen Kansas City come from behind in, the, in these first you know couple games in the playoffs. Would they be able to do it against a team, against a defense like the San Francisco 49ers? I didn't think they'd be able to. I thought they were probably lead throughout. I still had Kansas City winning, but I thought if they fell behind like that, there was no chance given the, the you know how methodical that 49ers offense is and how, you know, what's the word I'm looking Dominant. for? Dominant that defense is. And I thought, well, it looked like Patrick Mahomes, it looked like the moment was too big for him for this whole game. He looked like he had his nerve. He was just tight, it looked like, for the majority of this game. So I thought... He really wasn't going to be able to live up to it for that first three quarters, and then he obviously turned it on and ended up coming back. It, it was an off game for Mahomes, you know, except for that yeah. fourth quarter. I mean, two picks. Like it, the stat line didn't look pretty early on. And it was, you know, the the biggest game of his life. He he might have been rattled. Um, ultimately, though, you know, what will be remembered is is the Chiefs winning that Super Bowl and, and Patrick Mahomes winning that MVP. Gabe, what were your thoughts on the game and the outcome? Well. <laughs> Coming into the game, I had a lot of expectations for this game because, you know, you had Patrick Mahomes on one side and a great uh, supporting crew, uh, but also the 49ers. Uh, they've been a great rushing team, uh, also led by their defense, but they also have an all-pro tight end. They also have a great yeah. rookie wide receiver in Debo Samuel. They mm-hmm. also have Jimmy G, who is supposed to be the heir apparent to Tom Brady in New England. So, I mean, it was just a great matchup, and... Honestly, it didn't live up to my expectations, but it's still much better than last year's Super Bowl. <laughs> what were your expectations? Because I, I, I uh, loved yeah. it. I loved every second. Yeah. Of it. Well, it was very tense throughout the game. Like there was never a moment where you could be like, "All right, it's 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 over." So yeah. that was good. But I expected a lot more points. More points on the board. I yeah. think a lot of people did. I, I I think Vegas had the over under set at 50, 54 and 54. a half. I closed okay, I think so. around 53. Well, I mean again Vegas was as close as they always are. Um yeah, I thought good back and forth game and there were you know it looked like there were going to be a lot more points but San Francisco their offense was kind of stopped in their tracks late on in that game. Kansas City's defense, you know, this this Chiefs team is not known for their defense at all. They really stepped up late in the game. They uh put a lot of pressure on Jimmy Garoppolo. Their secondary came up with some big plays. Um, and, and Jimmy Garoppolo might have missed the biggest play of the night. He had Emmanuel Sanders wide open down the field that that might have won them the Super Bowl. That um, would have. It, 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 it would have. You, they, the Chiefs would have had, what, a minute and a half left if they had scored that, and they would have been down three. Yeah, and it so would. so they could have tied, but granted, it would have been a very tough thing to complete. Yeah, I mean, he had, I mean, it was wide open. And so Just now, you know, the, too it, big of an arm. And, and, we're, and we're not going to play this game. But uh, the, a lot of the national media are having the discussion, is Jimmy Garoppolo the guy in San Francisco? He just led them. They were the number one seed in the NFC. He's lost five games, I think, in a regular was in his regular <laughs> season time as a starter. So, and they got to the Super Bowl. I know he had, didn't have a great showing in the NFC title game. He only passed the ball eight times. He didn't have to have a great showing in the still, NFC title game. They still, you know, made it to the Super Bowl. Looks like we're at the first media timeout in the Florida State game. That game is tied seven seven. And looking at the broadcast. I see a couple of our V89 uh, reporters uh, taking pictures with Dick Vitale. So a little bit of publicity for the station. Jake Mossing's in there. Sam, I saw Sam. Oh, I think so it's Jake Mossing and Sam. Yeah, Jake Mossing and Sam partying with Dick Vitale over at the TLC Double C. That game is tied 7-7. Um, <laughs> moving on w- w- with the Super Bowl, Kyle Shanahan. And I know we kind of poked mm-hmm. fun at Austin. Uh, last last week when he was running Twitter, uh, Kyle Shanahan was a coordinator with the Falcons when 
they played in that infamous Super Bowl where they had the 28-3 lead over New England and uh, ended up losing that game in overtime. A lot of people recently, as Kyle Shanahan's gotten more of the national spotlight, started to pin that game on him a lot more than they were pinning it on Dan Quinn when the game happened. Well, Dan Quinn wasn't doing the offense, wasn't running the offense. Yes, That's but, the thing. but when, when it was happening, Kyle Shanahan's name was not brought up because he was not mm. the head coach. Now that he's a head coach, everyone wanted to talk about that Super Bowl. He was the offensive coordinator, the way he mismanaged that, that, that second half against the Patriots. And that was kind of a storyline in this game. What would happen if they got the lead? Would he be able to hold on? He had the lead, 10-point lead, going into the fourth quarter. And the question now is, is this a common occurrence for Kyle Shanahan? This is kind of a, you know, the, this was kind of the monkey on Andy Reid's back, where mismanaging games, more of like clock management. But is Kyle Shanahan, Gary, did you did you, did you call, uh, call him a uh, choke artist earlier? Uh, I said is, on our twi- on our Google Doc, I said Shanahan is the choke man. So, the choke man. Yes, yeah, so yeah, he is a choke artist to say the least. So. Wh- I really don't know if he's going to be able to shake this mentally either. Like this is going to something that's going to stick with him. T- Tyler, what could he have done differently to, to hold on to the lead in this game? Well, <laughs> I, I think that you could call him a choke man, but you also have to get Kansas City's defense credit. I mean, they played saying. right up there with San Francisco's defense. You look at the, the tackles for loss, about the same. You look at the quarterback hits, about the same. You look at the ta- uh, total tackles, about the same. And, and you look at the across the board, you got that interception earlier in the game. I think the, tef- the defense for Kansas City stepped up in the second half, and San Francisco was... I don't want to say one-dimensional because they did the the run play and then the two passes there uh, when it was twenty to seventeen, kind of playing conservative. I think you can make that case that Kyle Shanahan didn't really go out of the box, but you know they're that one big play away from taking the lead, right? On that third and that third and fifteen, right? And missed, he overthrew the ball. So I don't think it was all on Kyle Shanahan. You can't put it all in there. I think the Chiefs' defense played a role. I think Jimmy G just didn't make the the pass he needed to make. Um, I think it's a multiple factors. I don't think it's just Kyle Shanahan. Well, and the 49ers defense, too, allowed the Chiefs to march down the field yeah. twice mm-hmm. in that fourth quarter, score really important touchdowns. Richard Sherman fell over at one point. I don't know if that was in the fourth, but it was at some point in the game, fell over. Mm-hmm. Um, really big play for, for Kansas City. And you, when you've got a quarterback as talented as Patrick Mahomes, you cannot afford to have mistakes like that, especially in the Super Bowl. It was really costly. Gabe, Kyle Shanahan, can is this team with this head coach with this quarterback, with the roster that John Lynch and that front office has built, can they get back here? Can they come back to the Super Bowl and, and eventually win one? You know, the NFC uh, this year it was beyond insane. It was so competitive. We had a lot of teams that were Super Bowl contenders, and you would think that next year would be easier, but I don't see it getting any easier. Um, so I, I really just... I can't see them winning with Jimmy G, the big one. I, I think that the rest of the roster is, is it's pretty good. Kyle Shanahan, he should still be the coach. I don't want to hear anybody talking about firing him or anything oh, like no, that. Oh, no, no, We weren't there. Uh, I'm not at that point. Yeah, yeah. It's just Jimmy G, he's good, but there's a reason why Kyle Shanahan didn't trust him by the, at the end of the half, and that was kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy when at the end of the game he needed him <laughs> to get them to the end of the – to the promised land and you know it's, work out. it's, it's yeah. hard because you know the contract situation with them you have to pay him a lot of money mm-hmm. so if you want to cut him you're well, gonna have who, to who do they go with then if kyle if garoppolo isn't the guy who is the guy then because they're not going to be able to draft someone this year that's Jameis winston well i guess you could say Jameis. maybe maybe no. it's tom brady who's a lifelong niners fan 
Someone like that. Teddy Definitely Bridgewater. Not. Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> they, okay. That's that's actually not a bad I'm one. I'm not saying okay. that the Saints would just uh, give again, them up. Okay. Okay. Again, though. Again. That's, I didn't, yeah, I didn't even think about that. That's a very good point. We're, we're, we're not at the point. Let's not forget what Jimmy Garoppolo accomplished. That's what I'm saying. Uh, like, yeah, who, I, like, I think I still believe Jimmy Garoppolo is a good quarterback, and he does have what it takes to win a Super Bowl. It's just this year he got matched up against the best quarterback in the game. In the last couple of weeks on the show, we've established the fact that you don't need we, – we, we, a, lot, a lot of times people like to split quarterbacks into two categories. You've got your playmakers, which are like your Pat Mahomes, mm-hmm. and your game managers, which are like your Jimmy Garoppolo's. And you don't need a playmaker to win a Super Bowl. We we established that. We it, hel- some, it certainly some, helps. <laughs> it helps in some ways. But I mean, Mahomes is a playmaker. But yeah, but he and, did, and, and they won that game. Exactly. But over the course of the season, over the course of multiple seasons, you know, for a lot of Tom Brady's career, he was not the playmaker. Mm-hmm. For a few, you know, f- his few prime seasons, but he's had success his entire career, and most of those years have not been as playmakers. They've been as game managers on a very well executed offense with dominant defenses, which mm-hmm. is what the 49ers were. Now, Jimmy Garoppolo might not be an MVP caliber player, but look at the way he operated in that offense. Look at how well they performed for most of that game. Mm-hmm. He's not that far off from being able to win a Super Bowl. They were a quarter away from winning a Super Bowl. He can get them back to that game in the NFC. It is a tough division. They've got a, they've got a lot of work to even get into the playoffs year after year. But the way they were able to build this team, even with Garoppolo's high salary, which is the big issue now, mm. can you build good Super Bowl uh, contending teams with quarterbacks who are making? He's got to be. Uh, is he at thirty? Right around thirty million a year. Yeah, just about mm-hmm. that. Because I think his contract it reups or like he gets the guaranteed oh, okay. money on April Fool's Day. <laughs> so they could still get rid of him and keep the money, but they're, mm-hmm. they're just they're just not going to do that. Because yeah, it's not his, realistic. He was their quarterback on their Super Bowl winning team. They were able to win an NFC title game. Uh, with Raheem Mostert and, and yeah. Raheem Mostert alone in, in their defense. So Jimmy Garoppolo is the guy in San Francisco. I don't think any of us were you know, assuming that they were going to move on, but we were throwing around the idea if they did decide to move on, who could they bring in, who could be potentially be a better quarterback. I think Garoppolo will do fine. I think the 49ers are set up fine. I think they've got a really good front office. John Lynch, uh, their general manager, um, Super Bowl win, uh, winner with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, missed out on the Hall of Fame. That's true. Though this weekend for like the seventh straight year. Um, well, another thing about the Tampa, uh, Tampa Bay and was it um, Juszczyk, Kyle Juszczyk for yes. the for the Niners' first fullback touchdown in a Super Bowl since Mike Gallstadt. Since the A train, Mike Gallstadt mm-hmm. with the Bucks won it back in two thousand three. Yeah, of course, I loved a a good uh, Tampa Bay Bucks fun fact when when discussing the Super Bowl. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the Super Bowl commercials. It's uh. A fun time for for everyone, especially if you've got people at your Super Bowl watch party that aren't the biggest football fans. Gary, what were some of your favorite, or what was just one commercial that really stood out to you? One commercial that, well, I'll give you my favorite. It was the Bill Murray Groundhog's Day commercial. That was my favorite, yeah. but the one that caught my attention and the one that probably everyone's talking about today is the Tom Brady commercial where he said, I'm not going anywhere. So that, and it, that one really got me because he Tom Brady tweeted out the picture, so Put in perspective, huh. earlier in the week, he tweeted a picture of him walking out a tunnel. I don't know. Gabe, and it was Gabe. a black and white picture. Everyone thought, oh my gosh, he's retiring. This is the end. Well, yada, yada, yada. Did, did, either, did any of you guys think that when that commercial started, that he was actually going to like make a real announcement? Um, I thought it was a little cryptic in the sense that like it could have been like a little, hey, Patriots, 
I don't know if it's, it was more of I think a business you, I think thing. he's just trolling. Yeah. I think he's at that point in his career, not that point in his life where he doesn't care. Well, like that's he's what just I, putting out. That's what I was going to get to. Do you guys, what do you, what did you guys interpret from this commercial? Do you, because he said, I'm not going anywhere. I interpreted. So is he staying in Gillette? Because the commercial was filmed in Gillette. I'm I, really doing my deep dive into I this I interpreted one. that Hulu paid him a <laughs> boatload of money and he said yes. That's, that's all I got from I that. interpreted that he's just staying in the game of football and he's going to be playing next season. I inter- interpreted that I couldn't go one Super Bowl without seeing Tom Brady on my TV. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the only thing I well, interpreted. Well, and they were there for the NFL 100 thing. We saw the picture of Bill Belichick showing off the rings, rubbing it in all of our faces once again. That was, that was when Gary took his uh, his bathroom breaks or his run of the free. I did not see the Bill Belichick break. thing live. I just saw it on Twitter. So. No, but I didn't yes. think he was going to go anywhere. I mean, Tom Brady's going to play football until Tom Brady can't walk. I mean, Tom Brady's just—he's mm. going to stay around. Someone's got to want him. Well, so yeah. then where can he? Where can he go then? Because I Patriots rumors, Chargers, rumors Patriots. were. Well, I heard a rumor that uh, Giselle was looking at a high school in Nashville last week. You think he's going to go that's, to? She's Titans. not. That's a rumor. Nashville. Ryan Tannehill's a free agent. They kind of need a quarterback now. If Ryan Tannehill decides to get picked up somewhere else or leave, uh, San Francisco maybe because we're thinking Jimmy G isn't the guy. Uh, Oakland or not Oakland? Sorry, no longer Oakland. Las Vegas. Can you imagine design. him in another uniform, uh, though? I just can't. Guys, like like Gary said, it was the first Super Bowl in a while without Tom Brady. We do not need to talk about him <laughs> Sorry, my for most of the hour. Do have a quick update on that Florida State basketball game. They are leading the Tar Heels 12-10 to 10 at the under-12 media timeout. There's 11 minutes and 56 seconds left in that first half. Pat Williams leading the Knolls in scoring with five points. He's two for two from the field. Uh, Dominic Alenichuk has got two personal fouls, so he's in a little bit of foul trouble. He also had a nice block. Early on. Nice block. Okay. Well, there you go. Give and take with Don. I haven't really been impressed impressed with him that much this season, but he's on this team because he's, I don't know, because he's seven feet tall. He's very tall. <laughs> Coach Ham likes that. Uh, Raekwon Gray is on the board. He's got two points. Trent Forrest with two. Uh, Malik Osborne's got three points. Looks like he might have had an and one. Uh, and the Knolls are leading, but it's it's still pretty tight. Poor shooting from both teams here. Um, both are shooting in the low uh, or the high twenty uh, percent, uh, both in three pointers and field goal percentage. Um, not looking good for both teams early. I, I had a feeling that was going to happen in this game. North Carolina, their offense has struggled throughout the entire year. Obviously, when they were, they were without Cole Anthony for a stretch, it, it struggled even more. And then tonight, they're without um, their their best shooter besides Anthony Brandon Robinson. I think left us. Saturday's game with an ankle injury, so he's out in this one. We're, we're going to have more updates on that Florida State game throughout the, the this hour. Uh, going back to the Super Bowl, though, besides Tom Brady, Gabe, any any commercials that stood out to you? Anything that, that made you laugh? Yeah, there were plenty. There, this was a good. It was Super a good Bowl for good year for Super Bowl commercials. Remember, no free uh, ads. <laughs> Yes, Honestly, no I already I already gave uh, a free ad to that uh, television streaming service uh, previously mentioned. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of people that were uh, just at the party just to watch the Super Bowl commercials, and it was a little annoying for me because I'm a sports guy. But I really enjoyed the uh, Hey Alexa one, and also the Jason Momoa one where he like. See, I did not really see that one. I that one was a, that was a funny one. I agree. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I was hosting some people at my apartment. They, my roommates decided they want to do something like kind of last minute, and so I must have been playing playing host when when that one aired because I missed that one. Everyone's been talking about it. My favorite one is the Microsoft one with Katie Sauer. 
That was really no cool. No free ads, Tyler. No free Tyler, ads. Tyler. Well, you forgot sorry, rule number sorry. one. You the, broke it. That was like the second word. The, um, <laughs> the software company. The Bill Gates. With, uh, um, yes. With uh, Katie Sauer. <laughs> I just really enjoyed that tribute to her. Um, Katie Sauer's awesome. Really, really cool breaking uh, a new path. And it, it was really touching just like a week after Kobe died to see that, you know, a woman is participating in, in, in a foot that yeah. uh, a sport that's dominated by men and mm. in sports in general. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really it, it's continuing. Continuing Kobe's, uh, paving the way and continuing Kobe's legacy, and I really appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, and we talked about that a lot on last week's show. Wow, that was a uh, a pretty big play there from Pat Williams, the freshman. Did he get calls for a foul on that? I believe they're again, might call foul on again, it. Again, we have to watch for. Uh, we don't have sound, we can, so well, no. But we also have to we have to be careful with how close we are to broadcasting a live play by play on air. The FCC is always listening. Um, going back to the game. There was some, there was some not trickery, but some interesting play calls uh, for the Chiefs when they got in the red zone. Obviously, Pat Mahomes scored that first touchdown for the Chiefs, uh, running it in, and then later in the game, Damian Williams. Uh, they had, they did a little. Uh, everyone in the backfield on that and that offense did a little bit of a spin move, and what? looks like they stole that play from uh, the 1948 or 49 Rose Bowl between from Michigan. Gabe, t- talk to me a little bit about that play. Yeah, I, I was. Uh you know, hearing ESPN this morning, and apparently they stole that play from the 1948 Rose Bowl with uh, Michigan. Uh, it was very creative. Uh, they put a little bit of their own taste into it, but I, I thought it was a great play call right there. Yeah, no, definitely, and it definitely worked. So, Pat Mahomes, Super Bowl MVP. Well, Andy Reid also, or to piggyback off that, Andy Reid also said they have a whole package for that <laughs> oh. play set. So, he said you have to wait till next year to see it. Well, and real quick on that, a lot of people, one of the one of the other storylines is like Andy Reid needed this to like solidify his his career as a legendary coach, and that Kyle, it was like you had Andy Reid who's been here for a, been a coach for a long time. This is kind of like his not last hurrah, but headed towards that, where Kyle Shanahan is one of the younger, uh, you know, the, the kind of like the, the McVay model that the Rams mm-hmm. are using, where you hire the young, good-looking coach <laughs> with a revolutionary offense, and that it was kind of like either his new, like, era of Kyle Shanahan or Andy Reid, kind of his last hurrah. Andy Reid, I don't think he's going anywhere quite yet. I mean, Mm-mm. he's got Mm-mm. a lot... He can improve, and he's got a lot to work with. He and doesn't want to leave either because he he he's got a lot of good things going for him right now, he's, obviously. He's got a really and good quarterback. He's eating a lot of cheeseburgers as well, as he said after the game. But speaking on that quarterback, Pat Mahomes took home the MVP in this game. Uh, Pat Mahomes, he struggled. We talked about it. He struggled for a lot of this game. Had an amazing fourth quarter. Did some crazy things with the ball. Showed a lot of poise, a lot of composure, a lot of confidence. And that ultimately led uh, to his team winning the game. But Damian Williams, a lot of people think uh, think that Damian Williams deserve to to be the MVP in that game. What are your guys' thoughts? Did Mahomes did he deserve it, or was it just given to him because he was the quarterback? Um, I'm sorry. Who 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 left the Chiefs on the comeback? Was it Damian Williams on that third and fifteen? Uh, no, it was Patrick Mahomes when he he told Andy Reid what to call. He he said, "Let's call two three jet chip wasp." That was the play to Tyreek Hill. Where, he was pressured by a D lineman, and he still threw it over 50 yards, I think. Or was it around 40? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, it was a, it was a big play down yeah. the field, and, and I agree with you. Mahomes deserved the MVP. I do think Williams was extremely valuable for the Chiefs for and sure. their comeback and their game as a whole. But the reason I think Mahomes deserves that MVP award is because, yeah, Williams was great, but they could have come back with another player besides Williams. If they don't have Pat Mahomes, they're not winning that game. Pat Mahomes is... For my money, the best quarterback in the league and one of the be- most most talented quarterbacks we've seen in a very, very long time. 
and, and for that, he, he deserved that MVP award. It would have been cool though, to see Damian Williams win the NFL MVP or the Super Bowl MVP there because Playoff Damian. Well, also because he is a former Miami Dolphin and it was in oh. the former stadium that he used to play in. And so when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Yep, exactly. See, there you go. We we're talking Super Bowl. But yeah, so it would have been nice to see that. Also, it also would have hurt a little bit as a Dolphins fan to see that. <laughs> yeah, and in North Carolina uh, gaining a little bit of a lead. They lead 18 to 12 with eight minutes and 51 seconds. Cole Anthony. Got six points. He's two for five. A lot of turnovers. From the field. Yeah, and that's that's kind of been the story with Florida State basketball. Mm-hmm. They they force turnovers, but then they turn the ball right back over. And it's led to them being in a lot of really close games, even in the games they've ended up winning. And we're going to talk a lot about Florida State basketball, the ups and the downs uh, in the second half of this hour. But already struggling a little bit with, with North Carolina with uh, just over nine minutes left in the half. Halftime show. Let's talk a little bit of halftime show before we go to break. <laughs> Personally, I loved it. Tyler, what were your thoughts? Oh, great. I mean, loved the entire show. <laughs> uh, Nikki's over here wanting me to say something on air. I'm Nikki, gonna... Nikki. Nikki, yeah. Come, let's get Nikki got? on here. We, let's bring you on. Yeah. Let's talk, uh, here we go. Let's talk halftime show. What were your thoughts? <laughs> that was terrible radio, but a great visual of Nikki. I was, was not expecting it. Imitating but Shakira's uh, tongue movements. I don't Lidl, know the, the, the Patrick Little, 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 Little. Yeah, which was which was great television last night. <laughs> Didn't doesn't make for as great a radio, but still hilarious from inside the studio. I, did, I thought it was great. Um, you know it. It really, what I heard a lot was it represented Miami, and, and that, that, that was that was what you were kind of kind of capture with, uh, you know, it being in Miami. And I really enjoyed uh, Shakira and J Lo. Um, you kind of had like a throwback a little bit for us uh, kids, you know, back when they were in their prime, really, uh, when we were listening to coming up and listening to music. So it was great for us for our generation. Um, and but you also had like older generations that could appreciate the music as well. Um, so I really I really liked the halftime show. My, I think it's the best one in a while, actually. My highlight was the Shakira, the Waka Waka song from the, the, from the World Cup. Yeah, so that a was a fun one. Yeah, a little bit of 2010 World Cup mm-hmm. nostalgia, Gabe. I, wasn't, I don't know, that just brought back a lot of memories oh, yeah. from my, my uh, childhood. Yeah. That, my one big problem with the halftime show no pitbull. No, Mr. This is my Mr. Three O Mr. Three O Five. He was doing some performances before the show, but he I did. thought he because they always bring out other performers. Yeah, performers, you can't just they brought out Bad Bunny and what was the Jay other Balvin, um Balvin. Balvin. Yeah, there you go, and that was that was good. But like, you can't have a Super Bowl in Miami without Mr. Three O Five. Yeah, we're gonna being go, the main event. We're gonna go ahead and, and go to break. After the break, we're gonna discuss Florida State hoops and their road trip that included stops. In Charlottesville and Blacksburg, uh, they, uh, the Knolls are currently trailing uh, North Carolina 18-16 to 16 in the first half with seven and a half minutes to go. Trent Forrest got four points on the night. I believe it is still uh, Pat Williams leading the Knolls with five. Um, you are listening to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State.
white face And then she disappeared Without a trace I say without a trace back no seminal segment tonight we we gave the rest of the the department the night off a lot of them are at this florida state north carolina basketball game which north carolina now leads 19 to 16 uh, just after the uh the under eight timeout in the first half cole anthony getting it done for the tar heels florida state gonna have to uh, play from behind a little bit we don't see this quite often from them at home i think the last time they played from a while uh, from from behind was Western Carolina way back on the non-conference schedule. They had a bit of a scare there. Uh, but let's talk Florida State basketball. Talk a little bit of their road trip. Last week they went to Charlottesville, Virginia to take on the Cavaliers, a team they beat 54-50 to earlier on in the season home. This time they come up short. They lose this one 61-56. to uh, it, 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 it was a rough one. Again, it was classic Virginia basketball. It was ugly. A lot of turnovers, a lot of missed shots. Uh, ultimately, the Knowles fall. Devin Nassell, uh was kind of the, the star of the show for Florida State with 17 points. It was 7 for 15 from the field. Picked up six boards and two assists. Uh, but but Kihei Clark and Mamade Diakite carried the day for Virginia. And and, and I, I, to be honest, I kind of expected a loss in this game. Mm-hmm. I knew it was going to be a tough one for Florida State on the road. Tony Bennett got the chance to, to, you know, his team got the chance to play Florida State once. And Tony Bennett's kind of a fool me once, fool me twice type of guy. Mm-hmm. And, and he really showed it this in this game. They forced Florida State into a lot of bad possessions, a lot of bad situations. And they ultimately uh, came away with the win. Gary, I don't know, how damaging is this loss for Florida State? Short term, I think it's... Everyone's going to say it's pretty damaging just because Florida State hasn't had a loss in quite a while since the Indiana game. Mm-hmm. But it's not going to be that bad at the end of the day. This It's a tough road trip playing both games in Virginia, flying to Virginia, then back to Tallahassee, then back to Virginia again to play. So I really expected one of these to be a loss. It would have been nice to have two wins, but at the end of the day, you can't really complain coming out of there one and one And a loss is fine. I, I, and I said it last week. They could go into this road trip and split it. They had to be. They had to win a game. Yeah. Now what this does, if Florida State's aspiration is to win an ACC regular season title, which really since you know since I became host, I've been saying that every single week. That is obviously besides the national championship, 
the ultimate goal because that really shows how good your basketball team is, and that's going to set you up a lot more in the future in terms of funds, in terms of recruiting, which I, I know sometimes go hand in hand. Um, but, yeah, a, t- a tough one against Virginia. Uh, what I think Florida State needs right now, and they need a little bit tonight too, a little more offensive production mm-hmm. uh, from Dominic Alenichuk. Uh, he was brought in a grad transfer out of Ole Miss. Um, he only put up two points in this game, one for three from the field, and only only played six minutes. But he's just not getting himself in the right situations to score for Florida State. And when Balsa is still kind of nursing an injury, he's come back from it for the most part, but he's on somewhat limited minutes. Florida State needs Dom to produce, and it's showing me that he's really only on this team for his defensive prowess, if you want to call it that. He's not an amazing defender, but he's really only on this team because he's He's seven foot tall. He has four boards so far tonight in the game against North Carolina. So well, that's good. We need we need more of that. Any of them also two offense? personal fouls. <laughs> oh yeah, two I mean, offensive, two defensive. Oh, so nice. So good for Dom. Good for Dom. Well, I I, th- I agree with you, Brett. I think I think Florida State, and I've seen this throughout the year. They live and die by their guard play, and and they don't really have a presence inside like they did in the past years. Um, but yet they're still in the position, uh, like you said, to win the ACC regular season. Um, and they're in the top 10, and this was supposed to be a rebuilding year. So I think a loss, going back to the loss on the road, I think it's absolutely, it's a good loss. It's one of those things you look at and you're like, that's a good loss. It's not bad. It's not going to hurt Florida State really in the seating. It's it's a, not a bad loss. Virginia's a good team. They've just ha- had some, they've, they've played close games pretty much all year. L- looking so. at the result, if you take a step back and look at the score line and what Florida State's done and the schedule they'd had to play. Yeah. It's not a it's not a terrible loss. No, yeah. But if you look at that game specifically, and how well Florida State played for about three quarters of that game, and not the meltdown, but kind of the they kind of you know got stopped in their tracks late in that game, could not find could not put the ball in the basket, let Virginia kind of you know stay around and ultimately win the game. It's upsetting because this was a game that could they could win, and if they had one, I'd be a lot more confident in their abilities to go on and overtake Louisville in the in the ACC standings. Duke is there too, of course. Now their margin of error is is almost zero. They might have to go to Cameron Indoor and beat the Blue Devils, and then when they host Louisville, they would have to. They, they've got to win that game, one hundred percent at home. Those are both must-win games for me right now. Yeah, but you're also saying it's in their hands. That's the thing. Is Florida well, they're State's a game in a and position. a half back now. Yeah, but, but if they Florida beat Louisville, State's in a position for the first time in a, since 2010 and 2011 to win the regular season ACC title. Yes, if they win and, out, they will win it. And that's crazy to think this was supposed to be a rebuilding year, that Florida State doesn't have the depth. That Florida, We came into the season, Florida State doesn't have this and that. And so I think it's saying is this this team fought. I, they scraped and clawed and they tried to win on the road. And that Virginia environment is different than a lot of places. You're not going to get that kind of uh, that kind of uh, intimidation at most ACC road games. So I think that played a lot into the factor, too. They're on the road. You talked about their schedule, very hard schedule. ACC is not easy. Every team has the capability of beating you. You're right. The expectations, we kind of saw this as a rebuilding year. We didn't have super high expectations, but as the season goes on, the expectations change. And they have for Florida State. We've seen what they're capable of. We've seen what they can do in big situations. We saw what they went and did in Louisville, Kentucky. So now... My expectations aren't that this is a rebuilding year. They are favored in almost every game that they play. They, I mean, they are one of the best college basketball teams in the country, and we should expect as much out of them 
and you know night in night out whenever they're they're taking the court. Gabe, what, what were your thoughts on on this loss and and what what did you take away from this game? Yeah, I have two takeaways. Um, I think this is a really good lesson for this team in the way that they cannot take these kinds of games just like for granted. They need to win these types of games coming going forward. Um, and number two, it would just have to be, you know, this team really needs to step up on the on the big men. Like they they really need to like start helping out the guards because Devin Vassell cannot just become a one man wrecking crew. So if they can fix those things and they can learn from this because this was a test and unfortunately they failed but they can still learn from their mistakes i agree with you on that and and to to your point i think you saw the one man wrecking crew at, Vir- at virginia tech i mean if devin vassell doesn't go for 27 points in that game where would florida state be at which which is great devin vassell playing yeah, at the level he is, is great. don't get me wrong yeah i love it but but for a long time now we have championed the idea that this team is built on their depth mm-hmm. and when you're rely- having to rely on devin vassell to win basketball games that is not a recipe for sustained success mm-hmm. we saw what it did to louisville with jordan noir shut him down louisville can be pretty easy to beat now he's a tough player to shut down but they don't have any other options and Florida State is supposed to. Well, yeah, and you look at the FSU women. We'll talk about this later. You, you lose somebody. You don't have somebody that's there. You end up losing games. And so I think it really is uh, a, a, a test for this Florida State team. Can their big man, men step up as the season goes on? They're going to need them in ACC pre- play when those legs get tired and Devin Vassell isn't there to, to carry the team. They're going to need them in the, AC, or the, One, the NCAA tournament. thousand percent. Another quick update on the game. UNC still leading, and we get the under-four timeout in the first half. 25-20, Cole Anthony with seven points. Trent Forrest stepping it up for the Knowles. He's got eight. He's four for seven from the field. He's got two rebounds and an assist. He's played in pretty much the entire game for Florida State. Pat Williams again with five. Malik Osborne with three. And uh, the Knowles trail, though, uh, last media timeout of the first half, and it looks like North Carolina's playing playing solid basketball in this one. They're playing solid basketball, but Florida State has been passing very poorly so far. That's from what turnovers. I've noticed. Lot, six total turnovers right now. And just a bunch of bad passes. Maybe not all have led to turnovers, but just bad passes. Well, it's not only that. It's the the 12.5% from three-point range that's killing them. Florida mm-hmm. State has been taking way too many threes over the last couple weeks, and it really shows. You see these close games, and they're not making their shots. You don't make your shots, you're not going to win the ball game. And, and that goes down. That goes back to what we were talking about with the big men. They don't have those options inside, so what do they do? They jack up threes, and then you go one from eight, and you're going to be behind. It's definitely been an issue that they've had to deal with. Uh, they've already got, I think, 10 or 11 players checked into the game already tonight. Something we're, we're used to seeing uh, in, another, in Leonard Hamilton's Another quick teams. update from that game. Uh, MJ Walker got kind of undercut going for a loose ball by Cole Anthony. And according to Kerr Weiler from the Tallahassee Democrat, he's being helped off the court with a lot of assistance. And he's not able to put much weight mm. on his leg going straight to the locker room. Mm, difficult. So, tough scene for MJ. Difficult news, yeah, obviously for MJ and then for Florida State, who I think have been dealing with more injuries than the public is mm-hmm. led to believe. Trent Forrest seems like these last, you know, these last two seasons he's been continuously dealing with something. Balsa, Kopravica, obviously coming back from his injury. And, uh, yeah, so not obviously not great. I know MJ Walker has been a huge part of this team. He's kind of quieted down the last couple of games. But in a game that Florida State's trailing and needs to shoot the ball a little better, uh, being being without Walker is uh, is definitely 
not uh, great news. Let's talk a little bit about the new AP poll that uh, that came out this uh, this afternoon. Florida State, after losing at Virginia, drops from five to eight. So Louisville goes from six to five. They're at five right now in the AP poll. Florida State at eight. Tyler, your thoughts? I mean, I don't mind Florida State being at eight, but I do have a little concern with Louisville being ranked so high. I mean, at this point, I know rankings are not the biggest deal in the world, but we, Florida State, went into Louisville and beat them on their home court by 13. They have similar records and a similar resume, and you're you're going to penalize Florida State for when it losing by four on the road in a tough stretch. I don't know. I I think eight. I think it's indicative of where Florida State's at, but I just I have a little bit of a problem with Louisville ranked well, ahead. Let, let me play devil's advocate for a second here in terms of where Louisville, Louisville's at and where Florida State is at. Yes, yes, I know, we know that Florida State went on the road and beat Louisville handily. I know that both teams are at three losses. Let, let's break down those losses in terms of what the voters, the AP voters, are seeing and, and kind of really dispel the the idea that these matter at this point in the season or at any point in the season for, for any sport besides football. So Florida State has lost to an unranked Pitt team on the road to start the season, an unranked Indiana on the road, who has who were ranked at some point, I'm pretty sure, and an unranked Virginia on the road, and Virginia at some point was also ranked. Louisville, though, they have lost to uh, on a neutral court to Texas Tech, who were the national runners-up last year. I know Virginia was the national champs. But Louisville loses on a neutral court to Texas Tech, who's ranked as high as 11 this season. They've lost at number 15, Kentucky. I don't know where Kentucky was at that point when they lost. I think they were in the top 10. And they lost at home against number 18, Florida State, at the time of that game, who then, you know, over the, the course of the next couple of weeks, skyrocketed up to five. So by losing to Florida State on Florida State's way to becoming a top five team in the country, that loss now doesn't look as bad for Louisville. You say, oh, they lost to Florida State. Florida State's a top-five team. That's not a terrible loss. When in turn, Florida State's not really getting the benefit of the doubt for beating Louisville, who is now a top-five team. But Florida State, well, also Louisville did beat number four Michigan, who are, who are now unranked. And they went on the road and beat uh, Duke at Cameron Indoor by eight points, uh, who, who are a top-five team. And, and that's how Louisville is perceived uh, by the voters to be in that top five to jump Florida State. Uh, that does not mean Louisville is a better team than Florida State. We've all seen firsthand that this is probably not the case. And we, we saw that game at the KFC Young Center. We've seen Louisville get completely shut down when Jordan Nora is not on his best game. They're not as deep as Florida State. We've seen Florida State go in and dominate the Cardinals at the KFC Young Center. We've seen Florida State go on the road and beat Florida early in the season. We've seen Florida State go to Destin and beat Tennessee and Purdue in back-to-back nights and win that Emerald Coast Classic. At the end of the day... Florida State is still a game and a half behind the Cardinals in those ACC standings, which is in no way insurmountable. Obviously, Florida State, they do, their destiny is in their hands. If they win out, they will win the ACC regular season title with wins over Duke and Louisville. Um, and and, and th- that matchup's going to happen in two weeks. Louisville comes to town. And you just rounded off some of FSU's bigger wins with Tennessee, uh, was it Tennessee, Purdue, and Florida. How good do those look, though, right now? I think compared to like how Louisville, their lost Florida State yeah. now looks a lot better. Florida State, those wins don't look as good. A, tr- a true road, a true, a true road win for Florida State in Gainesville. I know. Yes, that they're was not ranked. That's still a big win in mm-hmm. terms of the big picture. Florida State still has a top, I think, a top fifty schedule, uh, strength of mm-hmm. schedule according to Ken Palm. And Louisville's right up there as well. But Purdue, 
and Tennessee on back-to-back nights. I know Florida State traveled less than any other team in that tournament. It's only a couple hours on the on the bus. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- those are still big wins. They're not like you know monumental wins in terms of what the voters see. But I definitely think yeah, I'm um, just saying their value is depreciated over the oh, course 100%. of this season so far. Yeah, the Florida win, even though that was a top ten win, I didn't see Florida as a top ten team at that point in the season. I thought rank. I think rankings at that point in the season are pointless. I think rankings at this point in the season are pointless as well. We've already talked about the importance of just winning a lot of games in your conference schedule, setting yourself up to for an easy path to the Final Four. A quick update, uh, FSU takes a one-point lead into halftime, 29-28, so they went on a 9-0 run over the last 2 minutes and 24 seconds. We'd love to see. We gotta, who's, lead, who's leading the Nolan points? Uh, we got uh, Forrest with 11. Trent Forrest with 11. And let's talk about Trent Forrest for a little bit because he, although he has still been playing uh, you know, good basketball for Florida State, the offensive production has you know, gone down in terms of points. And we're a little behind on our stream, so I think we're going to get to see Trent Ford. Does he make a three here? I don't know if it's him, but we'll see. Well, but anyways, somebody. Anyways, he's five for eight from the field tonight. I think it's actually Williams. Oh, does Williams make yep. the three? Seeing from the uh, stat broadcast, they, he makes the three. Thanks thanks for the spoiler alert, Tyler. Oh, sorry Jeez, man. We have to watch. I'm really bad with that. We have to watch how closely we describe. Was that the buzzer? No, there's 10 seconds left. <laughs> Four state leading at the half, as Tyler said, 29 to 28. Um, Trent Forrest, five right from the field. But with Trent, you were saying that his his offense production isn't there, but he doesn't have to be all there in terms of points every single game. He'll do he'll do his part with assists, rebounds, and just being a point guard, being a true a point leader. guard. Yeah, leader, point guard. That's the job of the point guard. And we talked about Devin Russell and how much Florida State has had to rely on him. He's only got two points on the night. He's one for four from the field, and Florida State leads. So they've dished a ball out. Pat Williams. He's got 11 minutes in the game, and in those 11 minutes, he's taking advantage of him. He's got eight points, three for four from the field, two for two from three, three rebounds, and two assists. He's stepping up big time. I know a lot of people going into the season saw Pat Williams as potentially the most talented player on the team, a potential one-and-done candidate, a five-star recruit, uh, one of the better players that Florida State had recruited ever. Gary, Pat Williams, what are your thoughts on his contributions and how Florida State, I don't want to say they've, like, babied him, but they've, they've kind of watch how closely they're giving out his minutes and letting him kind of have free reign. Yeah, they're letting, certainly Coach Hamilton's letting him kind of take his time to develop and kind of feel out game speed, but we're kind of, we were saying this earlier in the year, like how they're just letting him feel out the game speed. He'll get up there soon. And he still doesn't feel like he's gotten there yet, or that he hasn't gotten the minutes. Do you, do you so think I don't that ensures he stays another year, or do you think he could still grade well enough to get to go to the NBA draft? I don't know if he, from what we've seen, I don't even know if he could grade well enough at this point. I don't know. <laughs> From my scouting, my <laughs> great scouting knowledge of basketball, I don't know if he'd be a pick where he'd be thinking about it's worth leaving. Well, he's got the tools, and we've seen guys that have foregone playing large chunks of their college season or just haven't had the opportunity to play in large chunks of that one college season that they have to play and still get drafted extremely high up in that NBA draft. So I wouldn't say Vassell is – or not Vassell, um, Freudian slip, uh, Pat Williams – is uh, a lack to stay for another year. He might see it as a, well, I didn't really get a whole lot of playing time at Florida State. The chances are Let's better now than they were the at the beginning of the year. Yeah, for sure. But the guy that is probably one of the draft, Devin, is a sell. Uh, like I said, Florida State fans, enjoy every moment you get to watch him on the basketball court because he is gone. He's only got two points tonight, but the offensive production coming else coming uh, from a lot of other places. And Florida State leads at the half. Alex DePriest, who is a, a, a V89 reporter here, he always has a, he always says when, when his team is leading – by a point going into halftime, uh, they're probably going to lose the game. He says it's better to be down a point going into the half 
so you go into the second half hungry. You get complacent when you're up a point. So Florida State cannot get complacent. they got to find a way to stay hungry in this one. Let's talk a little bit about the Florida State women's basketball team. Tyler, you were at the game last week against Boston College. Uh, what what happened in that game? Florida State obviously came up uh, with a big, uh, big L. Yeah, that game uh, was very interesting from the start. Um, just a uh, lack of... Uh just leadership you felt like Florida State just didn't have that go-to scorer um, and the reason was was nausea Wolfolk was out with a left uh, ankle injury in the game uh, so you have the big three Kai Gillespie nausea Wolfolk and uh, Nikki Akamo, Nikki Akumo, Akamo um, and you kind of saw where they were at without nausea it was uh, they were lost and that's interesting because Wolfolk she got injured um, in the game against Miami uh, last Sunday that I was at, and she, w- I thought she was going to be out. She couldn't put any weight on that left ankle. She ends up coming in and playing some uh, later in the game, and so now she had to miss this game as as a result. Kind of questioned the decision to put her back in that game, and hopefully, did she play? Did she play yesterday against Pittsburgh? Did- I didn't check. No, I wasn't uh, really watching that game. I was watching the Super Bowl. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it was before the Super Bowl, was it? It might have been Saturday. I don't remember. Anyways, Coach Sue, you said. They, I know Florida State, they've struggled a lot lately. They were off to the best start in program history. They've lost four out of their last nine games. What kind of mood was Coach Sue in Coach after Sue was – I've never seen her – it was more of a distraught mood. Uh, she, she felt like Florida State – so the quote I want to use specifically is she said, we have all Americans all around, but we're not playing with an all-American heart. And that really tells you something is, um, you know – Nikki, I mean, uh, Naja Wolfolk's an All-American, but you have so many talented players on this team. Uh, uh, Puisis, you have uh, Akuma, River Baldwin, River Baldwin, um, just so many, so many scoring options and so many good defensive players. And so from Coach Sue, you know, they're on this skid, um, and and Coach Sue just kind of seemed like it, it, there wasn't really an explanation because you shouldn't rely on that one player is what she was saying. You, you know, Najee Wolfolk was gone. Yes. But where do you go? You've got to have somebody that steps up. And I think there was a quote, uh, Nikki Okumu actually, I read this from the pit game, you know, uh, she said, I, I, coach Sue gave me a choice and I chose the, the, it was like chose leadership or something like that. Yeah. And so you, and you saw she had a good game. I think uh, if you want to pull up her stats real quick, she had a really good game against Pitt. Nikki and that put was up 25 points. 25 points. Mm-hmm. And that was, so I want to talk a little bit about the third quarter because that's where it really got away for Florida State. The third quarter, going into halftime, um, you had two big threes from Sammy Puisis, and then the third quarter got very sloppy. Both teams turning the ball over. Uh, time after time after time, um, BC got up to a seven-point lead. FSU cut it down to 45-39, um, and it, it just felt like Florida State, every time they made a play, Boston College made a play. The defense was not up to the caliber that you're used to seeing from Florida State, and I think they really did miss Nausea in the middle there playing that guard-on-guard defense, that guard for Boston College, and I can't remember the name off the top of my head, she would just drive in the paint and dish it off to the big uh, the big in the middle. And it was just easy buckets for them. So I felt like Florida State, yes, missed nausea, but they have so much more talent, and Coach Two really hammered that home. Yeah, and that starts obviously with Gillespie and um, Nikki Akamu, and obviously the two freshmen, Sammy Puisis. Uh, River Baldwin, you've also got Courtney Weber, a lot of other girls that can contribute on this team. But a little bit of that, that 
I don't know, the, the, that lack of, not desire, but it looked like lack of energy from this Florida yeah. State team carried in to this game on the road at Pitt. They were, I think, tied um, at the half, and Pitt has been one of the worst teams in the league, um, and, and then they were putting up a big fight against Florida State, but that was really on Florida State. They couldn't find ways to put the ball in the basket. It just, it, it's almost a, a lack of, I don't want to say want, because I don't want to question their, I don't want to question that they don't want yeah. this, but I want to say that they're just, they look a little sluggish. They look like they've got, you know, the midseason kind of funk. And maybe this is the growing pains they need. Maybe this is the the test they need. Maybe they need to have that wake up call in midseason. Maybe Florida State. This is we look back at this and we say this is where they really turned it around. They got they go to Louis, they go to Louisville or host Louisville. They they're on the road. On the road at Louisville. It's going to be a tough game. I'm not going to you know put it out there and a say very tough very game. tough game. Uh, but then they come back and I think they play Virginia at home. Correct? Am I correct? Yes. In that? Yes. They host Virginia. They host on Virginia. Sunday. That's a winnable game. And those are the games. Better be. That, yes. The, those are the games that you look at Boston College. That's a winnable game. Those are the games that the Florida State's got to take control of, and they've got to be competitive in these big games. They weren't competitive against NC State earlier this year, and you know they've got to be competitive in ACC play to be hanging with the uh, the, the top teams like Louisville and NC State. So. Yeah, no, and and we've seen the potential that this team has. We've seen how good of a coach Sue Semerall is, how deep this team can be. When they're all healthy, one of the better teams in the country, and they've just got to get back well, on that. Well, 13-0 start, you're thinking, yeah. who's going to beat this team? Exactly. You, you, this team's on fire. And so this is the – I think this is the slump. Now you look for the the upward uh, the upward incline, and that that's the only thing you can hope for at this point, that they figure things out and they find some scorers. Yeah, and let's uh, let's shift over to the diamond, not baseball. We got a couple more weeks before that starts. But Florida State softball starting play uh, this weekend with the uh, Joanne Graff Classic. Gary, talk to me a little bit about that tournament and and uh, what this new season could bring for Florida State softball. It's going to be an action-packed weekend of FSU softball on starting on Friday around 3:30. I know Florida State they have six games this weekend. They will be playing six games two of which are going to be against the number one Alabama Crimson Tide. So it's going to be a good season for Florida State, or at least what I think of so far. But they're coming in with some some losses on their uh, roster. Like they, was it they're going to have, lost it on my document, but... Mackenzie Herzog. Mackenzie Herzog left on transfer, the freshman pitcher, Megan King. So their pitching really got depleted from this offseason. And they also lost Callie Harrod, Zoe Casas, Carson Gordon, so those are another three big bats and three big gloves that they're also going to lose. Carson Gordon being from the out, playing outfield and the other two infielders. But they're still picked as a consensus top 10 team in the nation, and then they're also picked to win the ACC. So a lot of ups and downs with this team. I know there's, and there's a lot more good with the bad. Granted, they did have the number one recruiting class for 2020 with, what is it, uh, five top 50 players. So it's a pretty nice, uh, pretty nice position they're in. They're set up well for the future, it looks like. So it should be an interesting week of ball down there. What I like about this this softball team and, and how they've scheduled in recent years is they play a lot of top competition early on in the season. If you can get these games either on television or and, and there will be a lot more on television with the ACC mm-hmm. network or through streaming, it's going to be some really entertaining softball. Obviously, they host Alabama. They've got two games against them in the Joanne Graff Classic. Then they head on the St. Pete Clearwater Invitational, which is one of the biggest softball early in the season tournaments. They've got Washington, Minnesota, Northwestern, obviously Florida State, all ranked teams. Three top, that and UCLA. Three top 15. So a four. lot of good softball, and I love how they play so many games in one weekend. It, it, it's a lot of action. And, Gary, I know you mentioned maybe some uh, – 
festivities to to watch that game probably from the the garage. Oh yeah, the I Spirit mean, Way yeah, garage. it's a it's a classic tradition with FSU softball. Everyone or a bunch of people will go and tailgate on top of the parking garage that overlooks uh, Joe Graf Field. So that's that's usually a pretty good time. So maybe I'll partake in a few of those tailgates this year. Yeah. Just one little thing. The one thing I love about uh, softball uh, and, and smaller sports in general. I'm not like minimizing them, but they they play so many good out of conference teams. It's so much fun to watch. Mm-hmm. You're not watching those cupcakes like you do in football, you know, with the uh, Louisiana Monroe. Except we almost lost to them this year. Florida State almost lost to them this yeah. year. But for, the the softball games are so exciting, and it's it's very cool to see these different teams from all over the country come in and play. There there are going to be some uh, somewhat easier games on the schedule in the Joanne Graf Classic that you'll probably get to see those Florida State bats come out and. Hit a ton of dingers, so that'll be definitely uh, <laughs> some enter- some entertaining softball. But that's all we've got tonight. Uh, Florida State leading North Carolina 29-28 at halftime uh, right down the street at the TLC Double C. Thank you to Nikki on Twitter tonight, and uh, as always, our producer, Sebastian Androiano. Uh, for Gabriel Tisnes, Tyler Phillips, and Gary Putnick, I'm Brett Rutherford, and you are listening to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. New release is up next. See you.